Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Everyone wants to be first. The first in line. The first to tweet about a popular movie. The first to leave a comment on a YouTube video, usually by simply typing the word first. But there's a smaller club of people who found themselves in the right place at the right time, giving them a chance to be the very first to experience something foundational, something most people take for granted. And George was one of those people. Now, I could tell you that George was born in 1865 in Michigan. I could tell you that he graduated from the United States Military Academy and received a Ph.D. from Johns Hopkins in 1893. I could tell you all sorts of biographical details, but honestly, none of those will be as exciting to you as what happened to him in 1908. A year earlier, in 1907, George was part of a small group of military officials who established the Aeronautical Division of the U.S. Signal Corps. It was a branch of the military that focused entirely on heavier-than-air flight, and naturally they were very interested in the work of the Wright brothers who had managed to succeed at powered flight back in 1903. After their victory at Kitty Hawk, the Wright brothers toiled away on newer and better versions of their planes. Think Iron Man, constantly tinkering with improvements and additions and never fully satisfied with the status quo. But by 1908, they had something they were willing to sell, and George's group in the U.S. military wanted to buy it. On September 12th of 1908, George found himself inside one of those planes, the Wright Flyer, as it flew over the Earth. And in doing so, he became one of the first passengers to ever ride in an airplane, and certainly the first member of the military to do so. After that, he worked hard to seal the deal, buying the first airplanes for the U.S. Army. Not bad for a bragworthy first, right? Today, someone like George would roll that experience into a popular Instagram account and become an influencer. Back in the early 1900s, though, it was just part of his job, and there was plenty more to do. Because, you see, George was more than a military officer. He was an inventor as well. Years earlier, he had helped invent a device called the magneto-optical street camera. It was used to measure the speed of projectiles. He also dabbled in studies of electricity, radio waves, and the telegraph system. And in 1910, he developed a new technology for the telephone, allowing a single telephone cable to carry multiple phone calls at once, rather than just one at a time. But his biggest legacy is probably one you've never noticed, even if it's always been there. You see, back in 1911, he took that idea about multiple calls on a single telephone line and adapted it for radio signals. 
Basically, he figured out how to send multiple signals over a single electrical line, and he called it wired wireless. It was revolutionary. When most people think of radio today, they think of radio waves passing invisibly through the air. And to switch stations, you needed to tune your receiver to a different frequency. But back in the 1920s, that was expensive, and it required a lot of complicated equipment. George's invention promised to get around all that, though. Using a customer's own electrical line, a whole range of stations could be piped directly into their location. And by the early 1930s, the ideal customer for his product was the thousands of businesses all around America. It was music, uninterrupted by flaky radio waves, for an inexpensive monthly charge. It was cable TV, but for radio, long before cable TV was ever a thing. Of course, the typical radio world grew and expanded quickly, making George's invention less and less necessary. But despite that, there always seemed to be a need for reliable, consistent, always-on music in certain types of businesses, namely restaurants and hotels. After all, elevators weren't very friendly to radio waves, but George's wired radio worked perfectly. Today, his invention is giving way to internet radio, still sold by subscription and transmitted over cables like George envisioned a century ago. But despite the product itself fading into the past, George Owen Square's name for it seemed to have embedded itself into popular culture as the epitome of boring instrumental music you might encounter in an elevator. His company? Muzak. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything, for every passenger, feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. 
It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. There is a great big world out there with wonders just waiting to be discovered. For European men of wealth in the 17th and 18th centuries, those wonders were often seen during a trip known as the Grand Tour. The Grand Tour was a rite of passage for young men coming of age. They would travel throughout Europe and even into Asia, learning about art and music, studying new language, and doing bragworthy things like climbing the Alps. But it wasn't all academic. In fact, as the practice wore on, it became more of a shopping trip than an educational expedition. Rich men from England and Ireland would purchase artworks and objects from far away and bring them home to show off to their peers. This was how other cultures worked their way into European architectural styles and art movements. But the trips weren't just about material possessions. They were also about seeing things you could only read about in books. Of course, all good things must come to an end, and grand tours usually lasted just a few months to a couple of years at the most. But there was a path for those who wanted to extend their grand tours and spend their lives traveling the world, taking in new sites. They went into the priesthood. That was the path Arthur O'Leary took during the 1700s. O'Leary was born in 1729 in County Cork, Ireland. He came into the world during a difficult time for his country, a time when penal laws had been enacted against Irish Catholics and Protestants. The goal had been to push them toward the Church of Ireland. These laws made living in the country difficult for a lot of people. O'Leary took his leave as soon as he was able and moved to France. He became a priest, not only preaching but writing on the topics of religion and politics as well, for which he became well known. He also gained notoriety for walking everywhere. He didn't take carriages or travel on horseback. O'Leary traveled on foot. As one writer put it, he used to walk from the convent of St. Malo to the feet of the Pyrenees. It was during this one particular stroll in the north of France when his lifelong grand tour took a strange turn. He'd been visiting the Bologna Sommer and walking along the water when he came across an impromptu performance. A brown bear on a leash had captivated a group of spectators. With prodding from its handler, the bear performed all kinds of tricks. It would count with its paw and indicate the hour of the day when shown a clock. If a member of the audience waved to it, the bear would nod in their direction or even bow in reverence. Father O'Leary returned a few more times to see the bear perform, but something struck him as odd on his final day in town. The bear seemed tired, resting between tricks despite its owner poking it with a stick. The crowd was insatiable. They kept throwing money at the handler, demanding more from the bear. At one point, the creature seemed to have had enough, and when its owner poked it yet again, it stood up and let out a guttural roar. But it wasn't the roar a bear would make. It sounded like words. Words that nobody but Father O'Leary could understand. The bear was speaking the Irish language of Gilga. This was the most amazing trick anyone had seen yet, a bear that could talk. So Father O'Leary called out to it, and the two had a short conversation in their native tongue. O'Leary soon left to track down the mayor of the town, who he insisted should have a chat with the bear as well. 
It was at that point that the handler abandoned the animal and ran off. As it turns out, the bear hadn't been a bear at all. He had started out as a man just trying to survive. He'd come by boat from the town of Waterford in Ireland, where food had been in short supply. On its way to Spain, the boat had capsized and the man was rescued by fishermen. Once on land, though, they sewed him into a bear costume and took him to France where they forced him to perform for people on the street. Rather than pay him money, they gave him food, the one thing he had wanted more than anything else. And it was the promise that he'd be fed after each performance that had kept him in the costume for so long. I know, performing for strangers in a bear costume might seem intolerable to most, but for one man at least, it was worth it. Because the thought of going hungry was much more unbearable. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.